Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca Craig. And I'm Pastor Chad. And um, we've been gone for a really long time. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Life got in the way, work got in the way, all that fun stuff. But um, hey, we're coming up on the holiday season. Yeah, breathe deeply. So the holidays are always interesting. So for some people, they're a time of excitement. And for other people, they're a time of, frankly, dread. Um, Depression. Depression. Um, chaotic travel and all of those things. So, yeah, it's yeah, a mixed bag. It is. It is. And and in the church, of course, we are um, focused primarily. Of course, you know, we get through Thanksgiving. It's, you know, time we give thanks and stuff, but that really sets the stage um, for us to get into our season of Advent. And if you're not in the church, like, it's already Christmas. Yeah. Like, the Christmas trees, like come right in with the Halloween costumes now and there is nothing Christmas is like beginning in October yeah and um, although to be fair you and I are already prepping for Christmas as well because it's kind of a big deal let's be honest I'm more of a last minute type of person so you're driving that bus (laughs) thank you very much yep yep so um, I'm, I'm working on our Christmas Eve services actually as we speak Um, But one of the things that we always kind of get into the midst of once we start from that that moment of after Halloween and into, quote, the holiday season, uh, is this this question uh, and this debate and this fight over whether you say things like Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas um, in our, our what's supposed to be our more secularized um, sort of world. And of course, this has then then caused a lot of people uh, who are Christian to say, oh, now there is a, quote, a war on Christmas. Yeah, keep Christ in Christmas, war on Christmas. Those things are kind of synonymous. So what do you think? Oh, it drives me insane. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I know that we have people in our congregation that have the keep Christ in Christmas like magnet on their car and I, I don't of course I think Christ belongs in Christmas so let's just start with that right Christmas is about the birth of Christ like that's absolutely it, it's Christmas it's we're Christians so those things of course are synonymous so I think the debate really becomes um, why is Christ not part of Christmas um, and in what way and in what way and from you know in a more secular uh, part of society and where is this? Where is this war? Is there a war on Christmas? Um, and to be honest, I'm never a fan of equating um, things that don't involve uh, weapons and death with Christmas, or I mean, with war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, war is something completely different, and that's just my own little baggage. Right. I think I bring into using the word war and and, and stuff and things that really okay. An attack on Christmas. Okay, I'll yeah. go with that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of share your same feelings on that, primarily because I think what what people get upset about is the language, is yes. is the language that we're we're using, whether we're saying Happy Holidays, because you know there are what seventeen holidays that are um, between the time of I think November first and um, like mid-January or something. There are, there are 17 different holidays throughout, you know, different religions, um, that happen in that time period. 
And so part of why the whole happy holidays kind of came about was because, well, you know, we do live in a pluralistic society. We live in a society that has more than just Christians in it. And maybe being respectful of other religions that exist in our country wouldn't be a bad thing to do. No, I'd bite, like reflect what Jesus tells us to do. Right. And so, but then the, the argument has, has come in uh, that this is somehow by saying happy holidays, we're removing Christmas. We're, we're, we're removing Christmas as the dominant and predominant uh, cultural entity within this quote holiday season and 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 that is probably true it's probably true to say that christmas is the predominant holiday in that time period mostly because it's been if we're being honest mostly because it's been picked up um in terms of our retail society um as a way to drive um sales consumerism (laughs) consumerism um so in that sense i think I think Christianity, Christmas, is the, the predominant holiday of that season. Um, but to say that it's the only one... Right, and it's predominant be because, let's face it, um, we still have, I think it's 70, 72% of, of Americans still claim Christianity as their, their religion. I mean, that's, that's an overwhelming majority still yeah. that, that still follow... And however, so 70, 72 Something along those something, lines. Okay, that was so, the last time I looked, but it's been a while. Yeah, so, so 70% claim, yet what is the percentage of people that show up in church? Um, do you know what I mean? So there are people who claim Christianity but aren't affiliated with the church. Right. Yet still celebrate Christmas. So where is... Where are effort, efforts really... Where should our efforts really be focused? On, um, on fighting this battle, defending this attack on Christmas. Um, when Christians themselves or, are, we have our priesters. Are they show up at Christmas and Easter, and that's it? Yeah. I, when yeah. I was when I was young, we called them twofers. Yeah. Um, twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Maybe that was a baseball thing because they played baseball. Yeah. Well, two, two we also years. called them CEOs. Yeah. Christmas and Easter only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. When we, I mean, let's face it, then, that the, this is kind of Christians have sort of brought this on themselves to some degree uh, because of the fact that uh, they aren't engaging in their faith except on big holidays um, for, you know, a, a large percentage of those who, quote, claim Christianity. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the people who come to, our, you know, our church and that are here um, very pardon the pun, religiously, (laughs) very faithfully um, that are here. But, you know, when when Christmas and Easter, you're two really, really big, you get, you know, you more than double your numbers because that's when everybody shows up. Um, But at the same time, it's it's Christianity is not two holidays. It's a way of life. It's a you know, it's a day in, day out thing. and I think that, for me, is where when we start talking about, quote, the war on Christmas, I begin to ask the question of, well, what exactly are we talking about? Or, or keep Christ in Christmas. What is it about Christ we want still present within it? Is it just for lip service? Or are we talking about who and what Christ is, what he, he stood for, 
what he does, what he wants us to do in the world. And in, in that respect, we need to keep Christ not just in Christmas. We need to keep Christ all year long. <laughs> I would say we need to keep Christ in Christianity. Yes. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, and that's, again, one of my struggles. Um, you know, you look at social media, you look at how people engage, um, and it's, it's, unfortunately, it's not always reflective of, of what Christ calls us to be. And Christ does not call us to perfection. Let's just be, you know, we are all guilty of, of, of judgment at times, of, you know, saying the wrong thing, um, being in a bad mood and snapping. I mean, those are all human. Having human emotions. There are human emotions and human conditions, and, and we are all... Um, we are, we, we also, are in bondage to that and yeah. cannot free ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Way to be theological or something. Um, and, but it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, we're stuck in that, yet Christ calls us to strive to be more than, than what we're bonded to um, in, in, our, in our sinful ways. But it just seems like so often we fall short. Um, and I think that's where I would like to see the church with the capital C, people of faith, put their effort. Rather than rallying around one holiday that, if we're being honest, has become for many people more consumeristic than, than religious, um, I'd rather see us put our efforts in a year-round effort to keep Christ in Christianity and take Christ into the world um, rather than just on Christmas. Well, and so some fun, some fun facts about Christmas, because you know me. Yep. And, and, and the history of Buckle Christmas. Buckle your seatbelt. Here comes a revelation. Nope. Actually, too. I'm not talking revelation at all. I'm talking about the history, she actually, will. of Christmas. Go ahead. Um, and it's, it's, it's development through the past 2,000 years and how really Christmas was not a high church day. Um, there was the Mass of Christ, hence why it's called Christmas, um, that kind of started being utilized or, or celebrated around the same time as the winter solstice. Um, there was this thing called uh, the, the Yuletide. The Yuletide was a pagan holiday. of The, the solstice lasted um, from December 22nd until January 2nd and was, uh, you know, this, this pagan festival. And so, of course, uh, Holy Roman Empire went, wait a minute, we, we've got a somehow shift people away from this celebration and, and turn them towards Christianity. So the, the Mass of Christ began being celebrated this same time using a lot of the same imagery of, you know, this is the, the light coming into the world because this was the celebration of when um, all the dark, you know, times we just had our time change and it's getting dark at like 4.30 at night. Can we not do that anymore? <laughs> that's a side, that's like a separate... That's a whole separate issue. Ugh. It's a whole separate issue. But, you know, 4.30 is starting to get dark already. Um, and it's celebrating the end of that and beginning that the days are going to start getting um, longer again. And so that, you know, predates Christianity and is, is something that they had been, been celebrating that, okay, the, you know, light is going to start be, being, playing a more prominent role. And uh, we, we glommed onto that with, with our own symbolism of the light coming into the world through Jesus. And so it was a natural fit. But it really was not, again, um, a huge holiday. Um, Easter was the big one. 
Easter, Easter was the big holiday for, for Christians, and Christmas just kind of was in passing. In fact, in, <laughs> Christmas was outlawed in Britain for a while. Hmm. Um, and, and I can't remember, even if it was outlawed, I think in Boston, maybe, because what was happening was um, actually Christmas celebrations in like the 1700s thereabouts were very Mardi Gras-like. They, Interesting. Yes, yes. They were basically an excuse to get drunk and do debauchery. I'm and, using my filter. Yes. <laughs> but it, it was it, it was this it was not this wholesome family time. It was a time to go out and party and get drunk. And so some of your pur- Puritans banned, like Chris- that. banned Christmas said you cannot celebrate Christmas. Puritans taking all the fun. Yes, Puritans taking all the fun out of it. Um, And then there sort of came in in about the 1800s-ish sort of a shift and and started saying, hey, no, maybe let's make Christmas more about family and bringing that kind of idea into it. So it's really only been in the past 200 years that Christmas has taken on the kind of form we think of in terms of all of our traditions and celebrations. Drunken office parties and then... <laughs> That's oh. more Mardi Gras. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's much more how it used to be celebrated in the good old days. <laughs> um, that does not reflect the Emmanuel Lutheran Church Christmas party. It does saying. not. It does not. Um, but that, I mean, if you start thinking about it, I mean, let's, you know, let, let's look at how this has developed. And, and really, um, we are kind of getting more, I think, a little bit back to, in a secular world, back to what it originally was as opposed to what it had been shaped into over the past 200 years. So it, it's, it's, it's how you look at it. I've started to wonder, maybe it's because I'm not a kid anymore, why and how and when Christmas became so commercialized. Coca-Cola. Like, yes. The early 1900s. Right. But it's like, why, why did Christmas become, oh my God, I got to buy lots of gifts for everybody and go into debt for a holiday that most people don't mention the word Jesus at during the whole season. It's like, ah. In answer to your question, according to Google, Christmas has always been this way since it, it took on its form back. I mean, the I was going to say, because I don't know that there's no room at the inn turned into. No, no, no. There's no room at the inn for all these gifts to pack up. But again, we didn't celebrate Christmas from the time of yeah. Jesus' birth. Back then, it was a, a pagan holiday. and. Yeah. And odds are, Jesus wasn't even born in December, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but, like I said, there was the Yuletide, and there was the giving of gifts even back then on every day of the Yuletide. And, of course, it got picked up much more... Which was um, pagan. Yeah, which was pagan. Right, so we've adopted... We've adopted gift pagan giving, rituals. Gift giving. Yes. Because, I mean... And we mirror, we mirror that with the, the Magi giving yeah. gifts. Right. So, yes, we, we, find, we find our own ways of, of taking the pagan and um, putting our own meaning into it. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so the commercialization really um, has been there for a long time. 
and has always been associated with Christmas, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and, and let's be honest, consumerism is not associated with Jesus? No. Like, Jesus isn't like, go buy more stuff. So if, if we really, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where if what we, we, we want to do is really celebrate Christ, then we, I, to put it bluntly, we have to get rid of the pagan part. It, it, does that make sense? <laughs> Oddly enough, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate, to, I, I hate to burst people's bubbles, but if you want to get it focused back in on just Christ— then you got to get rid of your Christmas tree. You got to get rid of your your because the Christmas tree again that was that was pagan, um, and it was a German that was kind of a German celebration of uh, around that time. So we we have so much that is borrowed now. There are some religions like Jehovah's Witness that refuse to celebrate Christmas for that very reason, right? Because they say this is a pagan holiday. This isn't about Jesus. And to some extent, they are correct. Um, now, the way I always tend to, and whether this is right or wrong, but the way I've always viewed it is, if we want to take those, those days and put our own symbolism into them, okay, you know, let's, we, we, can, we can do that. But, it's, but we, we basically, we, we appropriated a pagan holiday and Christianized it. Right. And in doing so, we kept a lot of the pagan elements. We kept the exchanging of gifts. We kept the Christmas tree. We kept all of those things that are not Christ. <laughs> so, so if we really want to keep Christ in Christmas... You've got to get rid of Christmas. You've got to get rid of Christmas. Yes. And you kind of got to go back to the manger. Yes. And this will make some people mad because, of course, you know, it's like, but, but, you know, we're celebrating, we're, 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 you know, all the lights, all that, that kind of stuff. That's all, that, that's all God is worthy of that kind of celebration. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. So that's, that's the interesting, that this is the weird place we live in. But what if instead of spending $500 on gifts or whatever... I don't know. I don't know what the hot gift is this year. Maybe it's too early for that, or I'm just not paying attention. Sorry, kids. You're probably not getting it anyway. Um, <laughs> but instead of spending five hundred dollars on Christmas, what if you spent five hundred dollars on a charitable organization, the homeless, or yeah. that seems like that would be more to family promise. Yeah, there you go. It seems like that would be more Christmas spirit, more Christian-like, more Christ-like than um, you know putting some lifesavers and gum and socks and underwear and a stocking and hanging it by your chimney with care. Well, and so... Not that we have chimneys in Florida, but you get the point. So, <laughs> and and so, so here's our plug for actually what we're doing with our youth for, for um, ELCA Good Gifts. Dude, this is so fun. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're not doing the go by, you know, children living in Africa uh, or, you know, some other uh, area that, that is in need. Um, a whole bunch of gifts that, quite frankly, they won't use or they'll fight over or something along those lines. We're actually giving them things that will be sustainable for them year-round, giving them animals, um, the, the chickens they can raise, that kind With of thing. With a card that says, Merry Chickmas. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or get this one, goats. Angels we have heard. H-E-R-D. H-E-R-D on high. Or, or, or this one, 
It's B. Get it? B's. Uh -huh. Beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Or this might be my favorite. And because we're in Florida, maybe that's why. Oh, citrus tree. Oh, citrus tree. <laughs> I, the ELC a Good Gifts campaign was like very on pun this year. It, with it, it's it's price. evolving. It's they're they're yes. getting they're they're getting better with their marketing. It's awesome. So essentially, what to to tie into what we're doing here. So we're gonna have these cards on a tree, and with the expectation or the hope that people will take the card give a donation to the gift box that we have here at the church and then take that card and mail it to someone as their Christmas card and they will have the opportunity to donate as well to ELCA Good Gifts. The money that's collected here, the youth, the youth of our church will decide how they want to spend that, whether they want to buy bees or citrus trees or goats or pigs or chickens or cows or whatever they want to purchase through ELCA Good Gifts. Um, I'm kind of excited, but I like that punny kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm a dork like that. So, so that, was our, that was our pitch for our ELCA good gifts um, as we are entering into uh, the Christmas season. And um, which, of course, it, any purist who is a, a church purist gets mad when we call it the Christmas season because it's not. It's the season of Advent. That's right. No. So the big, another debate in the church are we allowed to sing Christmas song, Christmas carols in church <laughs> before Christmas? Can we sing them during Advent, or do we have to wait? That is now so stay not. Stay tuned. A, that, that that is so not a hill I die on. I'm either. <laughs> just just FYI for for your information, um, because once again, part of why the Christmas season is when the Christmas season is, is because it aligned with the Yuletide, and hence why we call it Christmas Tide from Christmas to Epiphany. Yeah, right. So, I, I mean, all of those things are, are again, we, we impose those, those traditions and those, those rules um, onto a holiday that, quite frankly, um, really never, I, I, I don't know that, that Jesus ever intended for his birth to, to spark or, or be part of what, what it currently is. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't, given only two of the gospel writers chose to mention his birth out of the four, and um, they don't tell the same story. Right. So, I, I mean, they have, they have two very different stories that we tend to meld together um, on Christmas Eve. We, we sort of take them and we, we, we fuse them together to make a, an overarching narrative, but independently, they're two very, very different stories. And... If there's two stories and there's four Gospels, then that means two of them don't have the Christmas story. Nope. At all. Nope. Unless you count um, the very cosmic nature of John's, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, there's your Christmas story. <laughs> that would be a really short reading. Yes, yes. Um, Ooh, that could be interesting. Oh, boy. Never mind. No, don't go there. Just don't go no. there. Although I am incorporating that into our, our, our 5.30 and our 7.30 service. There's your preview, folks. Yes, your preview. We'll have a cosmic origin to it in, in some part. Um, so a little teaser there for Christmas Eve. But, but anyway, getting back to the, the question of, of whether there's, there's this attack. This, and, and all I can say about that is 
Um, it, it's a culture war. It, it's not a religious war. It, it's not a, you know, it's not something in terms of the religion and, and, and what it demands itself because we imposed this on a pagan holiday um, to begin with. So. I, like, I like to say it's, a, it's an inside job. Yeah. Um, you know, we've kind of done it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when we... When we, get, when we as Christians give up the moral high ground, so to speak, when we as Christians um, don't live into what Christ calls us to be, well, we kind of, we kind of do it to ourselves um, and kind of lose our right to bemoan that Christmas isn't just about Jesus anymore. And if we're because we don't make it about Jesus. Right, exactly. I mean, yes, on Christmas Eve, when everybody shows up and they're here for, for their Christmas Eve worship, um, I, I have no doubt everybody at, at that moment is focused on Jesus and is focused on, on the baby in the manger and is focused on the, the, the really the earth-shattering event of God coming in human form. So th- this, for me, is, is sort of the tension, is... I love Christmas because of the fact that it is about God doing this, this crazy thing and saying, hey, I'm going to be human. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to come down in human form and I'm going to dwell with all of you people and I'm going to walk alongside of you and um, I'm going to, to be part of the messiness that is humanity. And that is something for, you know, for me that is, is what, quote, Christmas is all about, is that, that earth-shattering moment. And that is definitely worthy of reverence and awe and celebration and all of, all of that. I, I think for me, so generally speaking, the two, the Christmas and Easter, the two major Christian mm-hmm. holidays, we talk about what is the most formative for our faith. Um, so for some people it's Christmas, for some people, I think for more people it's Easter because of, you know, Christ. That's why it has a longer history. Right. Christ dying on the cross and raising from the dead. But I think you can make a really strong argument, at least for me, that Christmas is that seminal point because at that point God made the choice to become human and subject and subject himself through Christ to all of our mess, mm-hmm. all of the messiness of humanity. And human life has an end. Human life has an end. Yes, the resurrection. But human... What, but so life as we know it has an end. Correct. That's probably a better way to put it. As we experience it. So when, when God decided to take on flesh in the form of Christ, God knew all that that entailed. And for me, that's powerful. The resurrection is extremely powerful. But the fact that God chose to take on flesh, to experience what we experience, so that God knew more deeply, more intimately what we experience, what we go through, um, makes, the East, makes the Easter story more powerful. But I think for me that the Christmas story is more important and that's just for me, and everybody's going to be different on this. But I think for me, that's why I find the Christmas story so incredibly powerful. Because it, if, if you're a God, if you're all-powerful... Why do that? Why? 
Oh, I which mean, is what I find intriguing about the Gospel of John, and, and why I get drawn to that, even though I know it doesn't have your. It, it's it's the very quick kind of Christmas story, but if you think about how it ties into the creator of all the universe, of yeah. everything that exists, this, this, this power, this force of everything that exists decided, hey, I'm gonna become a schmuck. <laughs> I'm gonna become this, this human that does all the, the, you know, all of our things that we do as humans. Except sin. Except sin. But, Which makes Jesus much less schmucky. Yes, very much so. But yeah. if you think about, I, I, I can't repeat what a lot of my um, professors in seminary used to say because it used bad words um, of, of things, you know, but, he, but basically the idea being, you know, Jesus came down and did everything we do, goes to the bathroom, yeah. you know, all, all the, the, the nasty things we do as humans um, right. the, that we try, you know, to put a polite face on and, and pretend we don't do. Um, but the, those are, you know, part of being human and how, how we function and, and things like that that are unavoidable. No, he didn't sin, but he still did things that we would consider, ew. Right, right. Um, because it's just part of, there, there's ew in being human. Um, and to, to think that the, the God that created the the sun and the stars and and just you know these helium and all the elements of of life and and everything decided humanity was somehow worthy of 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 becoming like it right and what what that means for us and so that's the mind-blowing part to me of the incarnation is yep. that, that, that it does, it just absolutely blows my mind um, that we would have a God that would do that because um, I, I understand agnostics, I'll be honest. I, I completely understand agnostics. Um, their, their perspective being, okay, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not, I don't know. But if there is a God, why on earth would that God want to have anything to do with us? You know, it's, it's a, you know, let, this al is, let alone take on flesh and exactly. You know. So, so I understand the agnostic argument and I get why people go there because if you start thinking about this all powerful, you know, whatever it's, we're ants, we're, we're, <laughs> you know, we're a blip, um, especially in, in, um, terms of, of the age of the cosmos and right. all that kind of stuff. It's we're this, we're this tiny little blip. And how is it that this God cares about this little blip? So much. So much. Yeah. That would enter into it um, on, on this. Uh, the, and, and that's what we celebrate. That's what, you know, for me, um, what, what the celebration of Christmas is, is just that seminal moment of, of, of God doing this thing that's unthinkable. I still don't like John. Still, I know you don't. It's still not my gospel. No, it's it's mine. I, I I like the Gospel of John for its symbolic nature and it's too hippie. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like it. It's like hippie. It's like the hippie gospel. <laughs> or like Chad's more the preppy. It's like the surfer. <laughs> no, so Mark, Mark is Mark is my favorite gospel. And because Mark, it's right now. <laughs> and Mark, and yeah. Let's do it right now. Yeah, it's the immediacy with Mark and 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 we had this discussion earlier. I, for me, I like I like the first Mark one one. The beginning of the good news. So if the gospel of Mark is the beginning of the good news, guess what, people? We're part of it. We're part of the story because there is no end in Mark. 
The book of Mark doesn't end. It's just the good news, the beginning of the good news. And that brings us to today and the question of what do we do with, you know, the war on Christmas and Christ in Christmas? Well, we still have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Like, we still have a role to play, not just, you know, by diligently, you know, hitting up Target and Best Buy and Amazon, um, you know, Amazon delivery to your house every day to fill up your house with Christmas gifts. But, you know, why don't we, you know, maybe try and fill up our surroundings, those around us with, you know, with some Jesus and, you know, not tell Because what is the good news? Ooh, wow, that's deep. Um, that's a, that I had a be... student ask me that one day in, in class, and, and it took me back for a second because we, we just sort of take it for granted yeah. that, that we know what this means. Yeah, that's a really good question. Those darn kids. Yeah. Um, so, so I think... Those darn college students thinking. I know, I know. How dare they? <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's a really interesting question and probably one that... It's probably things that... It's one of the things that we take for granted and also one of the reasons I like the Gospel of Mark. Because Mark leaves gaps in his gospel that we fill in based on what we know of other of other gospels um, that don't act, that aren't actually said in in Mark. So that so that's really interesting. So for me, for me, the good news is that God became flesh because God wanted to be in relationship. God loves us so much that God wanted to be in relationship with us. And then take the other major holiday and say, and because God wanted to be in relationship with us so much, Christ died so we could be forgiven. You know, God, you know, Christ paid our, paid our toll. Um, and nothing, and, and nothing, you know, we've had, we've had a few funerals recently um, I, I believe both funerals use the same text. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That is, that is good news, and it is not, um, it is countercultural. You know, we have conditions on so many things. Um, well, if you don't do this, I'm not doing this, and I'm whatever, yada, yada, yada. But there's, it, it, it's, it's countercultural that, that no matter what we do, God's, you know, died for us. Right. So for me, that's, that's good news. Well, and, and, and Jesus actually himself kind of um, tells what the good news is, um, where he's, he's quoting Isaiah, um, unrolls the scroll, and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or the year of jubilee, so to speak, right. um, which was the year that you know you, you land reverted back to you know slaves were freed and and um, debts were forgiven. I need some student stuff. loan jubilee. You need some student loan jubilee. Uh, jubilee. Yeah, if we were actually following um, biblical mandates for justice and and such, your debt would have been forgiven within seven years. Yep because the the bible says you forgive all debts every seven years yep um and actually if you'd taken the debt out like on the back end of that it would have been forgiven in much less time because it even specifically states you can't not do it because they just took the loan out six months ago it was doesn't matter whatever whenever within that year that that you know those seven years all at the end of it 
you have to forgive it. That's, Levi- that's in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that Leviticus book that we like tend to not like so much. It's got some good stuff in it. It's got, I love some great stuff right there. <laughs> but anyway, so, so this, this idea of, you know, well, what is the good news? Well, Jesus said, bring good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Let the oppressed go free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, and we, we tend to, for whatever reason, um, distance that from the good news of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Right. So, so we kind of have two good newses. Yep. Um, we have the one Jesus defined, and then we have the one Paul defines. Yep. And, and Paul later defines the good news being that, that Christ died for our sins. And um, so it's... Well, I think it's harder for us, generally speaking, to hear um, that the gospel is for people that aren't us. Right. So, so, so like, we're not poor. Um, you know, generally speaking, we're not poor. Um, we're not really captive, and we ain't blind. And depends how you define captivity. Well, it's, it depends how you <laughs> define blindness, too, I suppose. Right. Um, I guess we could get... Spiritual blindness, right, all that fun right. stuff. Right, but by, you know, pr- strictly literal interpretation, you know, those things don't, don't really... We don't feel those things. They don't apply to us in the same way Right. Um, that it would have applied to say an um, African slave in the United States um, right. in you know prior to this you know Civil War right is that that is part part of what's so you know ironic is when you know we were trying to convert Africans um, because they had their own indigenous culture and religion and things like that and as we're trying to convert them to to the Western white civilized quote quote. Um, way of life, we gave them the Bible, and they read it, and whoops, <laughs> and they went, "Hey, this is for us. Yep. This is about us." And um, of course, then becomes the basis for Martin Luther King, you know, Jr.'s civil rights movement and all that stuff, because what he saw in that was this God who frees. Um, so you have again sort of a, quote, culture war in terms of what we even think the good news is because it's both and, and yet we like to cling to one version or the other, um, yeah. that it's about one of these things and not necessarily about the other when, when the reality is it's about both because his death and resurrection accomplishes the freedom from all of those things. Yes, and, and I, think, I, I think we tend on a personal level to focus on our salvation, Christ died for me, mm-hmm. um, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, we get we get taught very specifically in seminary that when we're handing out communion, this is for you. So you understand right. this is yeah. for you. The body of Christ given for for you. you. Yes. Period. Um, but it's also given for your neighbor. Yeah, and and I think the rest of the good news. You know, I, I think we, that's an area we need to be better at. Um, you know, good news to the poor. And whether we're talking financial poor or poor in spirit, you know, let's face it, if, if someone's depressed, they're poor. 
they 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 need they need some good news um you know if you're captive to you know debt or captive to an addiction an addiction or whatever guess what we 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 need to try and free them from that captivity you know if you're blind to you know your own issues if you're blind to you know what's going on in the world um you know, we need to open open people, restore sight to those things. So one of the conferences, Pastor Rebecca and I were just at, one of the main speakers, um, she said, the church doesn't have a compassion problem. We have a vision problem. When we see something, when we're aware of something, we're extremely compassionate. Yes, and we want to give, we want to And we want to give and we want to help. But if we don't see it, it doesn't, it, we can turn away from it. We can turn a blind eye. Uh, well, yeah, well, I heard about that going on over there. But if you bring, so for instance, I had, prior to seminary, I really had minimal, if any, knowledge of the Lost Boys of Su the Sudan. Now, I, I don't know that it was on my radar at all. One of my classmates was one of the Lost Boys of the Sudan. Hearing his story, knowing him, completely, um, I mean, it put it on my radar in very real and tangible ways that just reading about it, while even reading about it is tragic, when you meet someone that has gone through that and you know them and hear their stories, it's so much more powerful. Yeah. Um, I, I had a similar experience with, um, so we had some students from Liberia who um, went through some of the same stuff in, as the Sudan um, in terms of, you know, this one girl got up to give kind of her faith story and, and part of her faith story involved the fact that she had three times been put in basically a firing squad um, and was supposed to be shot and three times got pulled out of it at the last second. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there trying to imagine that yeah. life. I mean, here she is in Minnesota at Luther Seminary, standing in front of our classroom, you know, and talking about how she almost got shot point blank in the head three different times. Yeah. And it was only by some miraculous intervention each time that she somehow got pulled out of the line right before she got shot. Right. So on that cheery note. Yes, sorry. <laughs> right. Kind of went there, but you don't. Right. So you, you on, don't that, see on that, those but things. on that cheery note, then let's let let's let's not let's not worry as much about Christmas. Let's celebrate Christmas, you know, jubil jubilantly. I think that's the right word. Yes. Um, exuberantly, excitedly, and and with all of our vigor, because Christ, God taking on flesh, in the it's form of Christ, deal. is is amazing and worthy of all of our celebration. You're gonna get a Christmas tree. I'm not saying don't. You're gonna buy gifts for people. I'm not saying don't. But maybe we can focus on a few things during the holidays. You know that remembering the poor, the blind, the captive, the oppressed. You know, maybe we maybe we can focus on those things during this season as well, and then more importantly, let's not, the rest of the year. <laughs> let's not just do that at Christmas. Right. Let's keep Christ at you know, to borrow you know a question that we've been asking through the past few weeks. Let's focus beyond Christmas and putting Christ at the center of our lives, not mm -hmm. just the center of Christmas, but at the center of our lives every single day, living for Christ, making our decisions based on what makes Christ happy. Not our budget, not And here's um, the, the funny capitalism. thing that happens when you start to do that. You care a lot less about the 
cultural language yep. that surrounds it. Yep. Because you're focused on what am I doing to live out Christ in the midst of this. I'm not worrying about what some person, you know, in, in Walmart is going to say to me when I go through the checkout line. Right. Whether they tell me Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever. I'm just, I'm not concerned about that because where is Christ? Christ is, is in the midst of everything that I do and I don't, I guess I don't need that affirmation from the wider culture to say, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. It's nice. It's yep. nice when you hear it and it's nice to say it back. But when you make Christ the center of your life, you don't focus so much on, on those things. And, and it doesn't bother you when somebody doesn't say it. It doesn't bother you when somebody says happy holidays instead because, you know what? I, I have no idea. They may be from India and have grown up Hindu and they're celebrating Diwali, a yep. festival of lights. Um, and it's... It, it, you know, for me, it's like, you know, okay, I'm Christian, I'm celebrating what I'm celebrating, but my job towards that Hindu is to be loving yep. and to show them the love of Christ, not get mad at them because they didn't use the right language. So, Merry Christmas to happy you listeners holidays. who celebrate Christmas, and to those who don't, happy holidays. Whatever your holiday may be. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, we will talk to you next time. Hopefully it won't be um, such a long dry spell next time. Right on. All right. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays.